Hello, this is Olena of olenavalet.com and welcome to another clear-headed podcast episode. Usually we talk a lot about skincare here, but today I really want to talk more about mindset. I was inspired by the stories that I posted here about trauma and I thought we would have a little bit of a talk. Say hello and let me know where you're coming from on planet Earth. Romania, very cool. Slovenia. All right, awesome. So you know how I have not touched the subject of trauma? The internet has exploded with this idea of being trauma-informed and everyone has trauma. And you know, like I was, mum's the word, anybody who brings up trauma, I'm just like, nothing nothing. And that's because, how do I say this? It's just like spirituality, you know, certain ideas are shortcuts. They're very simple. We want to believe them. And then they spread because they feel really easy and they give you this false sense of security and understanding. And so you believe it more and you spread it more and then it takes on a life of its own. And that's kind of what's happened with trauma. From the beginning, it rubbed me the wrong way. And I just, that's why I thought about it a lot. Read some psychology books on the subject. Not on the subject, but just, you know, that happened to have some answers and some direction and blah, blah, blah. And so um, I had this uh, experience kind of recently where I kind of was building a friendship with a new person in my life. And this person happens to be a life coach, but like some kind of spiritual, I don't know if she really has like a name for it, but let's just call it a life coach for, you know, a life coach who doesn't know what to call herself, a red flag. (laughs) And there were a few red flags in this relationship actually from the beginning, but I was aware of them. And I just kept kind of getting to know this person, not trying to draw any conclusions prematurely. But where um, something interesting happened was she wanted to introduce me to a friend of hers and she said like, oh, I thought, you know, like it would be so cool, blah, blah, blah. So she sends me the name of this friend. And so of course I go on Instagram and I see who this person is. And this person has a body positivity account. Now, don't at me, okay, yet. Don't at me, period, because I really don't appreciate it. (laughs) But um, body positivity is a lot like acne positivity. So you already might glean my position on body positivity (laughs) just from that. And um, turned out that this new friend of mine, she coached this person, got her to feel her sacred rage and um, societal, at the societal constructs and blah, blah. I mean, it was internalized societal blah, blah, blah. And it was just so much jargon. (laughs) That's how you know that it's bullshit. Okay. And so when I saw that friend A created this, or at least, uh, how do I say, uh, was a catalyst For this person starting this account that was, there was zero originality in this account. This person was regurgitating the same shit that other body positivity accounts regurgitate. Okay, zero originality. This is an unpopular opinion, I get it, but you know. And then um, it's the same with the acne positivity movement, right? No original ideas whatsoever. Regurgitation. And it's just like horrendous. It's horrendous to watch another human being disempower themselves and be totally unaware of it. It's just horrendous to watch. And so I had to just 
quit that friendship. <laughs> I mean, I tried to kind of help this person see that their position was not very useful, especially to her, her client. But this person had no idea that she was actually influencing her client to take on her bias. And that had it, if it wasn't for this life coach person, her client would maybe have a totally healthy view of herself. Um, but instead she had rage about, you know, society not accepting her and blah, blah, blah. And everyone should accept her just the way she is. And this is an unhealthy approach. This is an unhealthy approach. What sane person cares to make a plat their own platform all about everybody else except me? Can anybody answer this for me? It's so insane. And so um, this begs this kind of begs the question, right, about the past. Because a, a lot of what you'll see in psychology and trauma is the past determines the present. So if you were abused as a child, you'll grow up a certain way than somebody who wasn't abused as a child, right? So then what does this mean? It means, this is what this book says. If we focus only on past causes and try to explain things solely through cause and effect, we end up with determinism. Because that what this says is that our present and our future have already been decided by past occurrences and are unalterable. <laughs> does that make sense? And so um, this book, you, you need to read this book so that you don't fall for all this bullshit. The Courage to be Disliked, it's called, by Ishiro Kishimi and Fumitake Koga. And they're both students of Adlerian Adler, uh, Alfred Adler, Adlerian psychology. And then The Courage to be Happy, the follow-up book. So amazing, so insightful, so commonsensical. Um, and different from all the pop psychology things that you'll see, like the holistic psychologist, unfollow that shit. <laughs> Seriously. So basically, a lot of us, we explain our present by our past, even though there is actually no connection because the past literally doesn't exist. The only place the past exists is in our minds. And the only ways that we remember the past is through the present lens. Meaning, if I'm feeling good right now, I'm going to look back on my past and I'm going to paint it with rose, like going to see through rose colored glasses. I'm going to paint it in this positive light. I'm going to ignore all the bad things that may have happened, right? I'll have a positive view just because I'm happy right now, literally. So now my perception of the past, is it realistic? Is it the way the past actually happened? Not likely. Now, if I'm feeling really shitty about my life right now, like I'm depressed, I'm, I'm aimless, I'm purposeless, like I don't know what I'm gonna do tomorrow, I'm unmotivated, I just, ugh, okay. I'm gonna look at my past and I'm gonna be like, that and that and that caused me to be this way. And I'm gonna ignore all the good things that happened in my life, all the support that I may have had, you know what I mean? All the abundance I may have experienced because I'm not happy right now. Again, is that an accurate view of the past? And I was on this podcast with my friend Michael and we had a kind of conversation about this and he brought this up and I thought it was a very good example for how a lot of people think about the subject. And and he was saying that he was some at some kind of seminar and there was this overweight person and the guy leading the seminar was like trying to get her to understand why she was overweight, but confirmation bias, but okay. So he was trying to get her to understand why she was overweight and she didn't have anything for him. So he's like, come on, think, 
<laughs> and then so she goes, well, my whole family's overweight and I want to fit in with my family. And then, oh, I was molested. So maybe I'm overweight because I don't want to be attractive so that I don't get molested again or some shit like this, you know? And you notice that is a common story. And meaning common, like hormonal acne is common, meaning a story, meaning made up, meaning in retrospect, we can come up with anything to justify our behaviors up to this point. And those stories will not be accurate. Do you understand what I'm saying? So Adlerian psychology, there's this notion of etiology and teleology. And etiology is the study of causation. And that's how Freud worked. Like, oh, when you were a kid, you had like oral fixation or something else. It means you wanted to suck your dad's dick. Like <laughs> some shit like that. <laughs> Sorry for any children watching. <laughs> okay, just like nonsense. <laughs> And then there's teleology, which is more uh, what Adler, the psychologist, was all about. And it was the study of purpose of a given phenomenon rather than its cause. And the suggestion was that we humans actually, we're motivated by present circumstances and not past circumstances. So it means that, for example, in this book, the youth, because it's a conversation, it's kind of like a Socrates type of dialogue. So it's a conversation between a youth and a philosopher. And the youth is like, but I have a friend and he's uh, he's been a shut in his whole life. And like, he doesn't go out and doesn't meet people. And it gives him anxiety and blah, blah, blah to meet people. And the philosopher, he says, your friend is insecure, so he can't go out. Think about it the other way around. He doesn't want to go out. So he's creating a state of anxiety. The youth is like, huh? <laughs> and the philosopher says, think about it this way. Your friend had the goal of not going out beforehand. And he's been manufacturing a state of anxiety and fear as a means to achieve that goal. In Adlerian psychology, this is called teleology. Okay. And then the youth is like, you're joking. My friend has imagined his anxiety and fear. So would you go so far as saying that my friend is just pretending to be sick? <laughs> and the philosopher is like, he's not pretending to be sick. The anxiety and fear your friend is feeling are real. On occasion, he might also suffer from migraines and violent stomach cramps. Okay. However, these two are symptoms that he has created in order to achieve the goal of not going out. So that's really interesting, right? It kind of flips everything on its head. Is the past causing um, the present or are we choosing present? Are we just making our choices in the present based on our present goals? And that's very interesting. And given that literally the, the past just doesn't exist for us anymore. <laughs> what happened yesterday? Yesterday, you know, my course launch and everything that happened doesn't exist anymore. I'm going to have to launch again, okay, to have that, ex that experience. Uh, so in the present moment, we might not want to do certain things. And so instead of doing those things that might feel a little hard right now, we create stories around why we don't do those things to justify and also to get rid of psychological dissonance, right? Like we like to make sense of things, even if how we're making sense of the things doesn't actually make any sense, right? But it gives us that semblance of understanding and we like that. We like to feel secure in knowing what's going on, right? And the more you read, the more you learn, you'll understand that a lot of everything is bullshit. A lot of things are just made up. <laughs> made up explanations to understand things that we didn't understand before. 
okay? It's like with skincare, it's like with lightning, right? People used to say it's God or something else, something else, right? This is what we do. We just try to make sense of our surroundings, of our lives by telling stories. And this is why, you know, when I watch The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, when they have those vulnerability moments where they always kind of talk about what happened in their past and they say, and this is why I am the way I am. I always call bullshit. This is just the way we construct our own histories, right? We're literally telling a story. So instead of focusing on the past and uh, keep repeating the same story of, oh, I used to have this and I used to have that. I used to have hormonal acne and then I didn't know what to do and blah, blah, blah. We can just focus on creating our future. We can focus on what it is that we want to genuinely experience and be unafraid to go there. And that means change, but we fear change. Change is like the scariest thing for humans. And so humans will do almost anything to avoid change. <laughs> and changing beliefs is especially hard because say your belief is based on an incorrect premise. Hormones cause acne or food causes acne, right? You heard it. It made sense to you. It felt good. You're like, okay, finally an explanation that makes sense. Now you will construct an entire reality around that premise. Now, if that premise is wrong, which it is, and you hear somebody say, uh, food doesn't actually cause acne. It's caused by your really horrendous skincare practices. You go, who are you? You become really like aggressive and defensive of your worldview because you have literally built reality on this premise now. So to check the premise means rebuilding how you experience something, right? Like in this case, acne. And for some people, it's just that part that is so difficult that they will ignore the new information. They will even try to like argue their points just to avoid changing their minds. Because again, changing their minds means changing like the construction built on a foundation that is not solid. And so humans, we're very, how do I say this? We're complex. Um, we each have a way of seeing things subjectively. We each see things differently. And a lot of us, we think that our subjective views are true. And this is why people say things like, well, you know, that scientist may say this, but I feel that blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you understand that was just this person saying that their subjective reality is more important than maybe an objective fact. And they're too afraid to actually look around and ask some questions and see, wow, maybe that objective fact makes sense. And maybe my subjective view doesn't. And they don't. Many people don't. Most people don't. Okay. Especially in the 21st century. And yet everyone feels entitled that their subjective view, their opinion essentially is heard, right? And now that the internet is available to us, everyone's sharing their subjective views on things, views that don't help anybody, or they'll argue in people's DMs or whatever. And it's like everyone feels entitled to their subjective view being like protected or experienced by other people. And yet it's impossible for somebody else to experience your subjective view, especially if your subjective view is that subjective, like nobody else can experience it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Maybe it's a little uh, philosophical. Uh, Raj says, there are so many people around me who just refuse to change. They don't even want to imagine a possibility that they could be wrong. It's really tiring. Yeah. 
It's true. And then they double down on their wrongness, on their wrong position. This is what I've been finding as well, which is like really hard to watch, you know? Uh, the Adriana says, am I understanding correctly? Are you saying the past traumatic experiences are a choice to hang on to? Trauma is not everything that's happened to you that when you were a kid. Trauma is, according to some psychologists who I respect over other psychologists, uh, some psychologists that make some sense while others don't, trauma is PTSD. It's something like really, really severely difficult and it can get worse with time it doesn't just like go away with time you know what i mean like trauma is trauma <laughs> but all this pop psychology and these spiritual influencers by the way when i was spiritual i was not talking about trauma i was not because it was just ugh. but anyway spiritual influencers and pop psychologists have made everything trauma so you may have not had traumatic experience as a child, but you are labeling them as such. And that is you using words incorrectly, okay? Because words have meaning. <laughs> and so if you had real trauma, you cannot disregard it. That's the point, right? But the point is not to call everything trauma. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Let me see here. Люди говно на блюде. Crystal says, um, I'm not going to translate it. Rajnath says, blaming the past is easier than working in the present for our future. Exactly. And this is literally the case in acne positivity communities, right? Where they're all like, oh, it's my genes. It's my diet. I can't do anything about it. You know, just like me and accept me for who I am. But I'm still trying to get clear skin. But I just have no idea how because I will refuse, refuse to look at some objective evidence because I'm so consumed by my subjective reality that I want so badly for everybody to accept me and to validate my beliefs even though they're irrational and only based on my personal experience and or copying other people's experiences because I have no original thoughts of my own. I can keep going, but it doesn't get any better. <laughs> Matilda uh, says, oh my god, yes, the vulnerability moments on The Bachelor. Yeah, they're just popular psychology gone wrong you know what i mean matilde <laughs> mark says also true we try to rationalize situations by making up complicated stories exactly like it could just be as simple as i didn't feel like it you know what i mean but it's like oh but i couldn't because of this and that that happened in the moon and the stars and oh and it's just like it's unnecessary it's unnecessary uh it's it's me chris love you he says you can't love an obese body to good health uh, I mean, I guess so, yeah. I mean, love is not enough, right? Like, it's just like in relationships, love is not enough. You actually have to work on the relationship, right? And we're all different in terms of our bodies and blah, blah, blah. This isn't about body shaming. People who are obese need to be supported in being able to take care of themselves so that they don't die unnecessarily early, right? It's kind of like with skin health. We need to support and protect our skin now before we ruin it um, create God knows what issues, including skin cancer, and then die from that. I mean, it's really kind of similar in that respect, right? Meaning we have to work on stuff. And all of these stories like skin positivity or acne positivity or even body positivity, it's like, uh, I don't have to work on it. Accept me, love me as I am. I don't actually have to work on anything. I don't have to educate myself. I don't have to do anything. Just love me and accept me. And it's like, the thing about love and acceptance is it kind of has to be earned, I'm thinking. And this is, of course, um, you know, different from what I used to say when I was all spiritual, but 
Like, I don't have to love everybody. I don't have to accept everybody. I don't have to listen to everybody. Not everybody's worth listening to. Not everybody's worth, you know, like accepting is one thing. I mean, accepting is just like, okay, you are who you are, right? But I'm not going to date you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or marry you or, or even befriend you if like you lack common sense or blah, blah, blah. And you don't work on yourself and you're unaware of who you are and what you, you need to work on. And you know what I mean? Maybe you're bad at a communication or you never apologize or you only reach out when you need help. You know what I mean? Like there's all kinds of negative traits that we have that we need to work on, right? Me, I'm constantly working on my negative traits. I, I know that where they lay, you know, I'm not uh, saying, oh, accept me and love me and blah, 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 even though I can't do this and that and this for you. You know what I mean? Or let alone for myself. So yeah, uh, Mark says these are called, these so-called positivity accounts low-key sound like conspiracy theories, Law, They are. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of what you see on the internet nowadays is conspiracy <laughs> theories. It's like, obviously... Um, layers of it, you know, some are really deeply, holy shit, bullshit. And some are like light, you know, bullshit light kind of thing. <laughs> like, you know, Coke light. Is there Coke light? And then the original Coke? <laughs> kind of like that. Yeah. And so you really have to be careful, even like therapists, right? Um, there ain't no shame getting help with therapy, but who's your therapist? what did they study? What biases do they have? Because you know what? They're human too, right? Like we all, I told you on the previous live that I did here, I said, we all have biases. We have degrees of biases, right? And we have to understand that about ourselves. Like just the awareness that, hey, I have certain biases. Like I prefer this to this, you know, um, I have certain beliefs about that, that maybe get me to ignore, maybe, you know, certain people when they talk about, you know, the opposite of what I believe and blah, blah, blah. And you know what I mean? Just being aware of that is already a big and important thing. Let me see here. S. Sturge says, yes, it's a real mental disorder that needs treatment. Yeah, but not everyone has it, right? Like a lot of us, it's, it's kind of the same with acne. I can relate everything to acne. So trauma has become like this thing that everyone thinks that they have it. And of course, this gets you to buy a bunch of courses or um, therapy or books, right? Because you're like, oh my God, I'm traumatized and blah, blah, blah. And now there's trauma in my elbow. And oh my God, how do I, how do I deal with this trauma? And it's, it's like acne. Everybody thinks that they have acne. Even people with ha who have literally clear and healthy skin think that they have acne because they have one clogged pore, right? And it's, it sells a lot of products. And then eventually these people who think that they have acne create the acne. So it's not useful. It's never useful for you to be, to think of yourself as a healthy, well-rounded uh, individual who feels sad sometimes, feels angry sometimes because you're a human and not a robot. You know what I mean? And that's okay right? And you'll have some low days and you'll have some amazing days and, and you're a human. But like, that doesn't sell, right? That doesn't sell all the programs and all the self-development being a multi-billion dollar industry, right? I mean, self-development has to kind of sell you on that there's something wrong with you. I mean, even with spirituality, you're um, too judgmental or, oh, you have all those negative thoughts. Oh my God, something's wrong with you. You have to work on yourself, blah, 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 you know? Alignment, 
<laughs> Honestly. Oh, man. Don't get me started because spirituality. Oh. Esther says, yes, psychologists go to school for a long time to learn how to diagnose for a reason, lol. We can't always diagnose ourselves. Totally, totally, totally. But again, there's different kinds of psychologists. And nowadays, what I'm finding, at least on Instagram, is this leaning towards holistic or spiritual psychology, which is like saying, I mean, that's an oxymoron. I don't get it. Might, might as well be like pixie psychology. You know what I mean? Pixie elf psychology and other things that just are not real. Do you know what I mean? And so I think that spirituality has kind of um, taken over too much. Where now psychologists are using spiritual language and even spiritual bypassing and all this shit, you know? I'm not, I'm not saying every one of them, but I'm saying that some of these popular, very, very popular psychologists on Instagram are. And it's a lot of bullshit and people need to be careful. Uh, let me see here. Rachna says, I've stopped watching the news for this very reason. It's full of false facts and conspiracies. Uh, depends where you're watching. I recommend, like, not Fox News. <laughs> Half's full of bullshit. My perspective is you need to know what's going on on planet Earth. You can't put your head in the sand and pretend like it's not happening. It, it is important to still be well-versed in what's happening around the world, at least generally speaking, you know? And if you need to find some source of information that you trust, do that. But like, you can't not know what's happening on planet Earth. The news are important. Also, as a smart person, when you hear a conspiracy or when you're critically thinking, you just know that it's a conspiracy as well. So it doesn't affect you. Do you know what I mean? You're just like, oh, that's, a, that's a load of bullshit, you know? And then you're aware. Inkayona Martin says, so true. I have simil similarity bias and try to work on it. Amazing that you're aware. That's amazing. Mark says, yes, so many people like to casually mention that they have PTSD, depression, or anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there's this idea of normalizing, talking about these things. But I think many people misuse these words to describe just their regular human experiences that all the other humans have. Because there's the other thing about this stuff is people want to be special. Okay? This is important. People want to be special without having earned being special in somebody's eyes. You heard me. Um, like, you know, my plagiarists, they haven't earned the knowledge, but they'll just copy what I say and then regurgitate it, right? Because they want to be special. They want to be seen as competent, right? Because you want to, like, it's just a, a human desire to be um, respected and, and accepted and all this stuff, right? But the thing is, the shortcut to this is just tell people that there's something wrong with you. <laughs> oh, I have acne. That's a way of being special. Love me and accept me. I have acne. Literally saw this somewhere in this book. Okay, here, 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 here. Special. Now there's one last example I'd like to give, a complex example that deals with boasting. It is a pattern leading to a particular feeling of superiority that manifests due to the feeling of inf inferiority itself becoming intensified. Concretely speaking, it's bragging about one's own's misfortune. One's own, sorry. Misfortune. The youth is like bragging about one's own misfortune. And the philosopher is like, the person who assumes a boasting manner when talking about his upbringing and the like, the various misfortunes that have rained down upon him. 
if someone should try to comfort this person or suggest some change be made, he'll refuse the helping hand by saying, you don't understand how I feel. The youth says, well, there are people like that, but the philosopher's like, such people try to make themselves special by way of their experience of misfortune. And with the single fact of their misfortune, try to place themselves above others. Take the fact that I am short, for instance. Let's say that kind-hearted people uh, come up to me and say, oh, it's nothing to worry about, or such things have nothing to do with human values. Now, if I were to reject them and say, you think you know what short people go through, huh? No one would say a thing to me anymore. I'm sure that everyone around me would start treating me just as if I were a boil about to burst and would handle me very carefully, or should I say circumspectly. Isn't that interesting? The youth is like absolutely true and philosopher says, by doing that, my position becomes superior to other people's and I can become special. Quite a few people try to be a special being by adopting this kind of attitude when they are sick or injured or suffering the mental anguish of heartbreak. The youth says, so they reveal their feeling of inferior, inferiority and use it to their advantage. The philosopher says, yes, they use their misfortune to their advantage and try to control the other party with it. By declaring how unfortunate they are and how much they have suffered, they are trying to worry the people around them, their family and friends, for example, and to restrict their speech and behavior and control them. The people I was talking about at the very beginning who shut themselves in their rooms frequently indulge in feelings of superiority um, that use misfortune to their advantage. So much so that Adler himself pointed out, in our culture, weakness can be quite strong and powerful. I'll just finish this part in case you guys want to know because, I mean, this book is just so good. The youth is like, so weakness is powerful. And the philosopher is like, Adler says, in fact, if we were to ask ourselves who is the strongest person in our culture, the logical answer would be the baby. <laughs> the baby rules and cannot be dominated. The baby rules over the adults with his weakness. And it is because of this weakness that no one can control him. The youth is like, I've never encountered this viewpoint. Neither did I before this book. Um, philosopher, of course, the words of the person who has been hurt, you don't understand how I feel, are likely to contain a certain degree of truth. Completely understanding the feelings of the person who is suffering is something that no one is capable of. But, excuse me, as long as one continues to use one's misfortune to one's advantage in order to be special... One will always need that misfortune. Boom. <laughs> uh, Lisa Ringdahl says, oh my God, I need to read this. Yeah. Hop Brooks says, my mom who works with veterans for the government says diagnosing PTSD is complex and many terms get co-opted. Yep. Yeah, it is complex. I mean, many things are complex. And what I'm seeing on the internet is many things are memefied, like, you know, turned into memes and simplified greatly in order to be like digestible and then people share and share and share and then people think they understand a complex subject when they don't, you know? Uh, Oma says the books she mentioned earlier are the courage to be disliked and the courage to be happy. Exactly. They're brilliant. You see all the, <laughs> all the stickies inside and like lots of underlying. 
Margaret says, wow, that is very eye-opening. It's sad that these individuals want to manipulate those who want to help them. They're not aware of it. This isn't like a conscious, deliberate thing. They're not aware. Because many people don't think. Many people are not thinking. Many people are just having thoughts. Okay, so many people are not aware of how they're thinking, why they're thinking, what they're thinking, and they just continue to tell these crazy stories that make no sense. Okay, so I hope I've illustrated the, the idea that our thoughts are largely subjective and our experiences too. Uh, we all hold a bunch of biases, okay? We don't always know what's in our best interests. Uh, we often, well, we often, we have terrible memories and we <laughs> have a terrible time of recalling the past accurately. Our own pasts, okay? We'll always, like me, I have... 27 different stories about my past, okay? The only accurate, I think, um, representations of what happened in my past are from my diary entries. <laughs> like, because I wrote those entries literally, I don't know, a day, within a day or two of the event. So that is a more accurate representation of that event than me looking back at that event now, right? Does this make sense? Um, and so I'm not saying to totally distrust your memory, but like be curious about it and ask yourself why you might be remembering certain things the way you're remembering them. Because I've literally seen people like recall the past like one way and then I'd be like, but what about this, this, and this, and this? And then they're like, oh yeah, because they were in a certain mood and they'd only see one side of the coin. And then there was like a totally different side of the coin that I happened to be aware of because I was there also in their past, Right. And so we lie to ourselves a lot, uh, us humans. We want to believe in shortcuts. We want to believe that we understand when often we don't. And it is a very, very empowering thing to say, I don't know enough about this. You know, maybe I am using this word incorrectly. Maybe I'm not really as suffering as much as I think I, that I am. Maybe I'm having a normal human experience. Who convinced me that I'm suffering? <laughs> okay, but seriously, seriously. Uh, like recently I was sad. Um, and I, and my husband was like, oh, I don't want you to feel sad. And I'm like, no, no, this is good. I'm feeling sad because something sad happened and feeling sad when something sad happened is an appropriate human response. <laughs> right. So I was just like sad and that's it. And it was cool because something sad happened. So I'm going to be sad when something sad happens. I'm not going to try to be angry or, or really, really a chill and like a beat when something sad happened. Right. Like there's appropriate human responses to life. And what spirituality does is it tells us, no, there's only a certain, certain appropriate responses to life, right? Where it's just gratitude and love and joy all the time and optimism and hope and just turn the other cheek and forgive and love. And it's like, no, no, there's actually like, you can't always give and give and give and give. You end up depleted. You end up used, abused right? Manipulated, taken advantage of. There are people out there who will manipulate you, take advantage of you. So it doesn't make sense to then be super loving with these people. It makes sense to send, set, set very hard boundaries. It makes sense to label what you see as abusive behavior or manipulation or whatever it is, right? Accurately. Because when we don't and when we have that positive spin on everything, we end up blinding ourselves and making ourselves vulnerable, okay? And this is, doesn't serve us in the end. But what it really makes us vulnerable to is 
these books and these programs because you know how much money I spent on all of these spirituality books? Like I had so many, it was ridiculous. But what it did was, interestingly, like when I was reading them, it was very much one note, you know what I mean? They were all kind of saying the same thing because that's what happens in a cult. <laughs> okay. The same message will be repeated over and over and over again. And so I guess my point was that luckily I had some science on the side, you know what I mean? That was balancing the perspective, but still many people, they just will, they'll grab onto a perspective and then read all the things that confirm that perspective, but won't look on the other side. And we have to be willing to look on the other side where we might be totally wrong. And recently, I mean, my husband, once upon a time, actually, he showed me this documentary. This lovely French woman has this awesome documentary. It's in French. So for those of you who speak French, it's called, uh, French. It's called Meta de Choc. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's available on YouTube. It's super easy to find. And this lady interviews people who used to claim that they were mediums and and channelers and crystal children and how they, they came out of it. Just very interesting perspectives. And so one of these people, it was actually an English interview with this girl. I think her name was Jessica, if I'm not mistaken. And she was apparently huge on YouTube at some point and, and was like this guru crystal child, you know, and she did all these videos and all on that subject. And so she came out of it and talked about how people were just hanging on to every word that she would say. And once she farted on stage, okay, and then pointed to somebody else and said, you did it. And then everybody believed it, even though she farted and everybody knew that she farted, but they believed it because how could Jessica the crystal child lie. You know what I mean? So people were willing to lie to themselves only to have a reality make sense. Okay. And so Jessica came out of this, stopped being a crystal child for I think a year or so. And now she's back because guess what? When you're not skilled in life and you have nothing really to offer, you do low-lying fruit. What's easy? Oh, I could just lie to people. You know, oh, they'll just believe me. I'll make money. I'll be fine. I'll have people, you know, obsessed with me. This is great. Being special, huh? Being special, the shortcut to being special. Now, what what other way can you actually um, feel worthy and have value? Because this is what we all want. This is why we want to feel special. We want to have value. We want to be able to contribute. And the way to do that is to commit to something like me with skin health you could be being the best accountant ever uh i don't know the best uh, librarian the best psychologist the best neuroscientist uh, i hope many of you are scientists that would be very cool <laughs> right but like you have to commit to becoming really really good at something what will that take time and effort investment making lots of mistakes uh, disproving your, your premises, uh, changing your mind over and over and over again, uh, understanding both sides of the coin, the bullshit and the truth, and understanding why people have this idea or that idea and the implications of all of it. 
and you just get better and better and better and better. And then you just have an innate sense of worth because you know who you are and you know that you can actually help people or that you have something to contribute that is of actual value and not some misfortune that makes you special. Do you understand? So this is really important just for, for us to feel fulfilled as humans. We want to be good at stuff. Like I know that when we scroll on Instagram and we see people with like easy lives that we think, oh, I want that. I just want to lie on the beach and blah, blah, blah. You will not be fulfilled lying on the beach. Lying on the beach is really awesome to do once in a while. You know, resting and stuff is really awesome to do once in a while. But what are you resting from? The point why rest feels so good is because you just spend some time building something, creating something, right? Using your brain, solving problems. Like that is what is worthwhile in life. And then you'll rest and then you go back refreshed, solving new things, coming up against new challenges and proving to yourself once again that you can overcome them easily, right? Or, or you know, with some effort, you can still overcome them in the end. That's what gives life meaning. It's, it's actually the effort. It's actually the work that spirituality will be like, no, it's the being. Be grateful and you will get blah, blah. It, no, it's actually the doing. It's the becoming, it's the verb. The verb is the fun part. Living is the fun part. Not just like sitting back and aligning with shit. <laughs> Does this make sense? So ultimately, I think that spirituality is going to backfire in a big way. Um, eventually, when people start thinking again, um, it will backfire in a big way because it will make a lot of people very discontented with their lives unable to actually control their experience because thoughts do not create reality in that sense. Thoughts just create our subjective reality, right? And anyway, <laughs> it's nuanced. Okay. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Yori says, damn, I have a friend who's always like, it's my anxiety and my PTSD. Remember when there's a my in front of it, what happens? What happens? You know, some people really want to keep their misfortunes or their problems. And it's generally the people who have accounts about their misfortunes, not about the solution to the misfortune. Okay. It's about the misfortune. It's about the problem. It's not about the solution to the problem. That is useless content that does not need to be created. Okay. It's useless. And it, what I've only seen in just the acne community is that creates more acne because healthy skinned people digest this bullshit think that there's something wrong with them, start blaming their bodies, becoming obsessive, uh, like about their diets, uh, trying all kinds of crazy shit on their skin, creating the acne that they didn't have. Okay. And then feeling so insecure and like depressed about it. Cause now like they, nothing makes sense, right? <laughs> they're eating healthy. They think, <laughs> they think they're doing all the right things. And yet their skin is like the worst it's ever been. That's confusing. And that becomes very, very stressful. <laughs> oh my God. And so all these kinds of experiences are easily prevented if we didn't have bullshit out there, unfortunately, but we have lots of bullshit, lots of it. Rachna says, I did find that being happy all the time, the most difficult thing to practice. It's impossible. And it shouldn't be the goal. Like me, I'm happy in general. I'm happy with my life in general, but I don't need to be like God knows what every moment of every day, right? Like I'm, we're allowed to respond to life. We're actually allowed. We respond to it. Like we see, okay, this is, this is a sad situation. It makes me feel like this. What's wrong with being sad? 
There's nothing actually wrong about it. And yet spirituality is vilified regular human emotions, even anger. There's a place for anger. I'm not saying to be angry doesn't help you to be an angry person in general, right? But there are moments that like, you know, you can feel angry and then get over it. Like sometimes people write to me the stupidest shit. I have a momentarily like, I was their mother <laughs> moment, but I'm not. So I just go bye block gone. <laughs> you know? But like, it's so crazy. It's like basically saying, don't respond to life. Be a happy robot. <laughs> Dana says, hello, like with any other popular topic, a lot of discernment and critical thinking is needed when exploring a topic, even spirituality. In my approach, blah, blah. Love is totally uh, feelings in your... Yeah. Yeah, but you believe in God, don't you? <laughs> so, bias. <laughs> Rajna says, thank you for giving us food for thought. It's amazing how much we learn from you. My pleasure. I mean, again, I don't have all the answers, but I'm always learning stuff. And uh, I would hate for, again, mentally, psychologically sound and healthy individuals to then be walking around telling everybody that they have PTSD or anxiety or drama. Okay. And so we just have to be aware of how we use language, the, again, the content that we follow. And I keep telling you guys, read more books, all the books. Well, okay. Not like any books from Hay House Publishing where they, they just, everything is pseudoscience and manifestation bullshit. Okay. Like Dr. Joe Dispenza, I think is published there and veer away from spirituality for a while. Get a reality check. Get a reality check. Uh, Richard Dawkins, Do Richard Dawkins, the biologist, is absolutely epic. Like he has the book, The Selfish Gene, Outgrowing God, The God Delusion. I mean, he has many, many books. So that would be a good place to also start if you're interested in kind of broadening your perspective. There's so many good books. And neuroscience, neuroscience helps you understand human behavior as well, very, very well, because it's more factual and emotional. You know what I mean? It's, it's very, very good. So I highly recommend that. Mary says, there's so much misinformation on the internet. The other day I read a post about anxiety that described normal things we all go through, like worrying at times or sometimes having sleepless nights. Yes, because now it's so profitable to have you worry about sleepless nights. Like I had a few sleepless nights the last two days because I had something on the brain. And also at the same time, I was quite excited about what I'm working on, right? So it was just like lots going on in my head, you know? Am I going to worry about it? Like I knew that I knew the context of my experience and why I'm probably experiencing a sleepless night. I may have also had coffee late in the day, you know what I mean? And so I wasn't stressed about it. I just, being that I was sleepless, I was just thinking about things and, and uh, brainstorming and just, you know, somewhat being creative using that time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I knew I wasn't going to fall asleep yet. So why not take the opportunity to be creative and not, you know, worry about, oh my God, why am I not sleeping? Oh my God. What will this mean for my skin tomorrow? Oh my God. <laughs> Hopbrook says, I feel like emotions have purpose. Yeah, but not like, uh, yeah, okay. I, uh, I'm not going to project what I thought you meant. So uh, you mean the negative ones as well, right? What was the name of the French documentary? It's called Meta de Choc. And it's all about why we think the way we think uh, with some crazy ass examples of, again, channelers, mediums, none of those things are true. And yet the internet is full of channelers and mediums and people downloading things from the sky. Okay. And there's Palladians and, and God knows what and crystal children and fifth dimension and blah, blah, blah. And this is like crazy town. 
Okay. And, and I don't think that sane humans need to indulge that shit. Uh, I answered the question, Yuri, in about meditation in my previous life, and it's available on Instagram. Dana says, does it have to be God or science extremes? It's like, does it have to be the 3D or a pixie or an elf? If the pixie and elf doesn't exist, then why should it be something that even dictates policy in the world, like in Poland, the anti-abortion ban? So our beliefs have consequences, especially the beliefs that are rooted in unreality. There are still consequences to this because the argument is like, well, what if it helps somebody to believe that da-da-da-da-da? You know, like it's not hurting anybody. Uh, it actually is. There are long-term consequences to lying to yourself. You start lying to yourself about little things and then eventually you start lying to yourself about big things. And then eventually you end up at the Capitol in the United States. The election was stolen. Oh my God. Uh. I'm just saying that it's a slippery slope and that we need to question where our beliefs come from. And in the case of religion or spirituality, my husband said something interesting. He said that spirituality is actually really insidious because it pretends like it's not religion when it actually is very much like religion. And I thought that was a very fascinating perspective and never thought about it like that. We talk a lot about this at our dinner tables. I'm like, but how? And then he has all these cool answers and ideas and stuff. So spirituality is a lot like religion, actually. Before the God was judgmental. So humans created a God that is in everything and it is really loving and accepts you and supports you and the universe just works entirely for you and for your desires to come true. Oh yeah. Well done, humans. Well done. <laughs> Way to simplify the most complex thing ever as the universe. Well done. That's, that makes it really digestible. Yep. Yep. Really good. <laughs> um, Ms. A says, a psychologist told me that we as humans are unable to meditate in a state of anxiety, fear, anger. He said we need to let the emotion exist and not judge it. What do you think? Mm, I don't know if I understand the question. Um, but I do believe that it is important for, for us to allow emotions to exist. And the thing is, what if, okay, you're feeling angry and you can't meditate at the same time. What's the problem? Then don't meditate. <laughs> do something else. And then when you calm down, then you go and meditate. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> is this a real problem? <laughs> um, but yeah, we, I think it's important to label our emotions and feel them, right? But you understand that sometimes your emotions are totally irrational. So like sometimes you might feel jealous and you have zero reason to feel jealous. Don't give your emotion credibility as though it's rational because it may be totally irrational. Do you understand? Or like sometimes we're angry and it's an irrational anger. It's not because something actually happened to warrant the anger. And that's where the prefrontal cortex comes in and we have to ask ourselves question, was this warranted? Did he deserve my outburst? Or maybe I overreacted, right? And that's a sign of maturity when you can ask yourself like, hmm, maybe that emotion uh, was irrational, right? Maybe my response was irrational. Uh, what was the thought that guided me there? Oh yeah, I thought this and oh, oh, totally. That's why I felt like this. Ugh. okay, that's fine. I don't have to think that thought again because it's not true. You know what I mean? Sometimes like we think incorrect things. Sometimes we perceive a situation as something that it definitely wasn't and isn't and won't be, right? And we convince ourselves of this story and we're having a subjective experience that isn't actually true, right? We might be mad at somebody because we think they did this or that and this, but they didn't. We're projecting. So it is important to become extremely self-aware. We're not always right, but that's okay. We'll learn from that. You know, like, so 
I'll ask somebody, I'm like, I thought you were this. Is that right? And he's like, no, no, I, that's uh, not at all. I was like this. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I misinterpreted, right? Like it's helpful to have conversations with people and not pretend to read their minds. But this is, this is now communication. We're getting into an interpersonal stuff, right? And many people, they expect to read other people's minds or have other people read their minds without communicating. And this is horrible. And this is very, very immature. This will get you in all kinds of, excuse me, interpersonal problems. And you will be a, a nightmare to date if you don't state what you want, okay? If you do not communicate. Communication is key, key. And this is why my relationship with my husband is so good because we communicate. I say how I feel or what I think, and he'll say what he feels and what he thinks, and we try to get on the same page. Mm -hmm. Lisa says, yeah, I deal with that a lot with my mom. She has irrational emotions. I feel you. Again, take my, my thoughts with a grain of salt. I'm not some expert or guru or any of these things, um, but do your own. I don't want to say do your own research, but find some experts on in fields who are like respected, peer reviewed, who make a lot of sense and study from them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because me, I'm not an expert on religion or spirituality or any of these things. I just know that who I am is somebody who thinks about long-term implications. That's always something that's interested me. This is how I was able to crack the skin, skincare stuff is because I realized that, um, it's not an overnight thing that happens. You know, I took time into account, <laughs> but it is like that with a lot of things in life, right? Uh, there's long-term implications. And if we go in a certain direction for long enough, then it's harder for us to change directions or, you know, like if we're creating a problem in this direction, eh, it's better to maybe go in the direction where we're solving a problem, you know? Anyway, so I just think of long-term implications and what it means for our, even our, our society if we keep mislabeling things and indulging things that are not true and giving platforms to things that are simply not true. The more people believe this stuff, the more, the more skin positivity and body positivity accounts we have, right? And again, a lot of these accounts are like, stop body shaming. And it's like, nobody's saying, there's no pro body shaming accounts. No healthy, uh, happy, intelligent human shames another body, just as no healthy, happy, successful, intelligent human would shame another person's skin. It just does not happen. So, okay, if then we know that somebody who is fucked in the head will shame somebody's body or their skin, so what, we're going to create accounts simply, is that our only audience? Is that who we're talking about? Is this who we're creating content for? essentially. Do you know what I mean? So like, it, it's, it's like if I had one troll and, and that's all I did was create content for this one troll, all these intelligent, open-minded people follow me. You know what I mean? Like, that's ridiculous. So me, I create content for the person who I want to read it. Right. And I know that that person will come, not some dumbass. No, no, no. Like an open-minded, intelligent, self-regulated person will find my content at the right time when she's tried everything blah, blah, blah. And she hears it. And she's like, this makes sense. This is what I've been looking for. That's who I create my content for. Imagine I was creating content for the person who's like anti-science, anti-chemicals, blah, blah, blah. Like my content would be very defensive and lame and annoying. And like, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Rajna says, thank you so much for sharing your insights. You may not be an expert, but it's so amazing that you are evolving and encouraging us to do so as well. That's, that's my real goal is for us to be evolving at the very least. At the very least. 
just thinking like, what if, what about, mm, maybe, uh, you know, and not just digesting everything as it comes, because a lot of what we're digesting is bullshit. Okay, so there we go. Let's become a little more selective. That's all. Anyway, I love you guys. You're literally the most amazing people ever. And thank you so much for being here. Stay tuned for future episodes. This was so much fun.